there was a big school of thought, and I can't disagree with it more, that the more connections you have, the better it is. I think it's extremely problematic because the real power of a connection comes in the context of your relationship with that person, not just the fact that you're connected with them for the sake of being connected. Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Hey, Dane. Hey, Andrew. How are you? Doing well. How are you? You are the Senior Account Executive, U.S. Economic Development Lead for LinkedIn. Yeah. So in so many words, it's I help EDOs run ads on LinkedIn. Um, but as, as a factor of that, staying up to um, just you know up to snuff on what's going on in economic development and then uh, translating some of the things that we're producing from a policy perspective. So we have a team called the economic graph team. And what they do is they try to make sense of the data and everything that's happening on LinkedIn and then translate that for primarily policymakers. So it's been a basically the pro bono um, work with policymakers to make, make them smarter arm of LinkedIn um, but translating some of that, so taking the reports that they have, uh, consolidating those, bringing those into actionable insights for clients to be able to say, you know, when a client comes to us and says something like, well, we need more engineers, everybody needs more engineers, we need more engineers, where should we be getting them from, using LinkedIn data to make some educate guesses versus just, hey, target the Bay Area, everybody's leaving there. Um, you know, there's a bit more nuance region by region to what's going to appeal with the um what the migration trends already look like, that kind of thing. So um, that's the day-to-day. But yeah, it's it's ads on LinkedIn is the, the short answer. Gotcha. That's I think that's pretty simple. And I think that, at least from my perspective, economic developers aren't taking advantage of LinkedIn, you know, as, as a whole. What would, would you say that's the case? I mean, is there is it a huge market for you to go after? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, market-wise, if you look at um, so we're, we sit within the, what's called marketing solutions business line of, of LinkedIn and LinkedIn has three primary business lines. There's talent solutions, which is the core legacy business. And that's a recruiter product, which is a, a software as a sales or uh, services and sales and, and data as a sales, um, data as a platform product where uh, you're helping the HR departments of global fortune fives and Everybody on down gets smarter about how they recruit, how they retain talent, talent branding, that kind of thing. Uh, there's marketing solutions, which is ads on LinkedIn. Um, so uh, reaching buying committees for uh, tech and, and all that. And then learning solutions and a handful of others that, that make up our, our smaller business lines. But looking specifically at economic development um, within overall B2B marketing is a many hundreds of billions of dollars, um, you know, overall TAM to go after. And then specifically looking at FDI marketing, and economic development marketing just at the state and country level, it's it's a TAM of several hundred million dollars. So um, there's there's definitely a, a large business for us to go after. We're at about, um, without getting too specific, we've been growing uh, approximately 70% year over over the past five years that I've just been focused on economic development. And in many ways, we're, we're just getting started. But yeah, there's there's definitely a, a sizable market. And as the the space gets more complex, as, as clients get more 
um, more focused on using data to drive insights and they, they realize the power of brand and they realize the, the tools that can help them, like whether it's CRM or whether it's even social media generally. Just starting to get serious about a social media strategy is something that a lot of economic development organizations um, are, are still truthfully coming to. So, so yeah, there's, there's a sizable market for us. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, I, you know, I find it interesting that economic development marketing is pretty much just B2B marketing. And yet there's not a lot of crossover. There's not a lot of interface between those two groups. They're not looking to each other for ideas. And especially economic developers aren't looking to um, B2B organizations for ideas. What, you know, in your role, um, selling ads on LinkedIn, I'm sure that you have some some ideas of things that they're doing wrong or, or, or let's say even low-hanging fruit. What, you know, what are those easy wins? What are those things that they should be doing that are easy? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the first thing I'd say is just to acknowledge the power of brand. Um, there's, there's been a tendency, especially many years ago and, you know, three, four years ago as I first got into this, and it's, you hear less of it now, but there's a tendency for economic development to look at marketing as a, as a cost center. Uh, and to look at it as, okay, well, the real power of moving a deal or the real power of moving a, um, a project here or getting the attention of a site selector, that's going to come from being you know, boots on the ground, meeting somebody in person, getting them on a site tour, that kind of thing, which is true. But the, the research that we do and the research and working with clients and unpacking how they are able to attract projects makes it pretty clear that given the abundance of destinations that companies now have to be able to choose from on a global scale and the flattening of that play, playing field where, you know, a company that decides, hey, we're a, a West Coast technology company, we want to expand with the, especially now in a, a post-pandemic, uh, post-COVID era where workforces have the opportunity to, depending on where you're working and depending on the flexibility offered, maybe work anywhere. Um, there's an opportunity to take your expansion and rethink that into several, maybe smaller expansion units or you know, rather than one traditional headquarters. Um, so with that has come the, the need to not just, yes, land those big projects when they come, but to, to be constantly top of mind and to constantly, you know, to, to make that short list so that as a site selector is working with a client or as an, an internal real estate team or whoever it might be is thinking about the future of their business that you come to mind for, for a reason that they can't really understand, but that's the power of brand. It's just you know, ending up in that on that mental shortlist. So they go to your website. So they start to gather information. Um, yeah, as you all know, these processes, they take five, six plus years in some cases, but sometimes it's, it's much shorter than that. And sometimes it's, okay, well, if I'm thinking mobility, I'm a, a mobility and IT company that's based in San Francisco. I, you know, I just can't tell you why, but I just feel like we've got to look at Michigan. And then you go look at Michigan um, as we're, as we do verbatims on clients uh, or client projects. And as they bring that data to us, it's, it's clear that the power of brand is really only getting more powerful. So that's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say to your point about embracing the tactics of B2B, the B2B space more generally, we have a, a client in the state of Ohio and their digital marketing is led by a woman named uh, Nicole Sherlock. And Nicole came from the insurance space. So prior to working for Jobs Ohio, she was working for, and gosh, I'm going to get the name wrong, the insurance brand that she worked for, but um, it, it was a, a digital um, 
along the lines of a, a digital insurance provider where you know you go online you get a website you get to the website you get a quote um, and it's it's all done pretty seamlessly so she lived in a CPL first metric driven results driven world where yes the you know the counter to that might be oh well you know economic development sales if you want to call them that are much longer tail of course they are and I'm not suggesting that it's the same thing as you know switching car insurance you know in the same buying process. But what I am saying is that adopting a metric-driven mindset and constantly checking the results that you're driving to make sure that they line up with your business development team or the leads that you're sending them. Are they being picked up on and, and are they having productive conversations with the folks? If they're not, why aren't they? Are they the right types of companies that are in that that right? A mindset of thinking about your location and expanding, relocating, whatever it might be. Um, and if they're not addressing why they're not and, and focusing as you know, Nicole has done, and we just published a case study with her, focusing on that quality aspect rather than just overwhelming your team with quantity of people that supposedly are raising their hand talking about moving to your, your region. Um, so, so yeah, maybe something for your listeners to pick up on. Uh, we just recorded a conversation with her um, along with Fairfax County Economic Development, they speak to how they used events on LinkedIn. And then um, the Saskatchewan Trade and Invest, we just recorded that conversation earlier this week. But um, Nicole and Jobs Ohio have done a phenomenal job of taking some of those best practices of her core instincts of B2B and uh, translating them to economic development. That's good. I will uh, add that to the show notes, a link to that. Cool. I think th those, are, those are exactly what we are looking for. These metrics. Um, that you're talking about when, when you're thinking of metrics and when Nicole is thinking of metrics, what kinds of metrics is she, you know, thinking about looking at? Yeah, it's, it, so it, it'll depend on the campaign, obviously, but um, it, the simplest one is, is simply hands raised, whether it's for a talent attraction initiative, the state of Ohio has a, a program called Find Your Ohio. And it's all about um, with some primary audiences and the, you know, the ones are that are relevant to Ohio or relevant for just about anybody or um, people who used to live here. So students who have a degree from an Ohio university and live somewhere else, um, you know, people who are younger professionals, less experienced professionals in the right industries uh, where there's growth opportunity in Ohio, growing families, uh, people who are, are in that right stage of life, or maybe they've lived in New York or Chicago or another major metro area for a bit. And the idea of getting a bit more space and, um, you know, frankly, living out the experience of what I just went through two years ago and moving to the suburbs of uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, you know, reaching people in those right stages. So at the simplest idea, it's just hands raised and, and measuring the, the sheer volume of people that you can get who when you make an offer to them, would you like to learn more about Ohio? Would you like to learn more about relocating your business here? They raise their hand and they say, yes, I'd be interested. Um, it, and then stepping back further up the funnel, it, it's things like, um, and we talk about this within LinkedIn a lot, because from an advertising metrics perspective, LinkedIn is just not the place to achieve scale. It's not the place to get a, you know, single digit dollar CPM and thousands and millions of impressions. And that's not the angle of LinkedIn. That's not the advantage of LinkedIn. The advantage of LinkedIn is that you've got a business focused mindset with a fairly narrow understanding of who your customer is, and you can reach them in a brand safe context where they're able to, to take and consider your, your offer, your, you know, whatever it is that you're putting in front of them. Um, so in their case, it's, it, 
again, stepping back further from leads, it's not just the idea that you get somebody to raise their hand in the sheer volume there. It's, okay, is this the CEO of a growing company? Is this an executive within a company that's poised to be thinking about that next stage of growth, which is something that we can demonstrate. We can target companies explicitly by their growth rate, as we see it on LinkedIn and employee count. We can obviously make sure that we're, we're keying in on the right industry. So are you, are you putting your video, your asset, whatever it is, in front of leaders of the companies and the industries that you're hoping to gain influence in? Um, so all of those, as you step back from leads itself, all those brand metrics of general awareness and reach and the right kind of reach, not just for the, the sake of reach and, and just trying to reach anybody who comes across it, but is it the right kind of people that you're engaging? So um, Nicole and, and Ohio do a great job of that, but there are many other clients who, who do a great job of that as well in you know, keying in on the brand aspects that are going to be key to, again, staying top of mind and um, you know, adding to that growth. Gotcha. And I think that's the, you touched on a number of points that are different between um, advertising on LinkedIn or, or doing sort of B2B marketing and doing B2C marketing. And, and I think many of our listeners are probably much more familiar, even though they're economic developers and they're in sort of this B2B space, they're probably much more familiar with B2C marketing where you're you know, sort of blanketing your demographics are are large and, and expansive, you know, all females between the ages of, you know, 18 and 35, anywhere in the world, anywhere in the United States uh, or the world. And whereas this is much more specific, much more granular, much more um, tightly focused on specific industries and specific job titles or classifications. And like you said, growth um, in, you know, whether the business is growing or not growing. Those kinds of things. So I think that's that's very mm. interesting. I, I, Sorry. While I, while we're on that topic, I, I push back on gently, of course, uh, on one thing that you said to kind of start the conversation, which is I, you know, I just don't see a lot of economic developers on LinkedIn. Um, there's a survey that the group DCI Development Counselors International has done. They're a great partner of ours um, as well. But there's a survey that they put out every, and I believe it's every three or four years, uh, but they call it Winning Strategies, and. It's this giant survey of executives and site selectors that basically just does a rundown of what are the tactics that are actually working. So in winning projects and getting attention and those kind of things, what are the things that actually work? What are the verbatims on the things that these people like and don't like? And what's the feedback that they're getting from this market that's trying to reach them? Um, and then what are the forward thinking data points that everybody needs to keep in mind. It's a great report. If, if people aren't familiar with it, they should definitely familiarize themselves with it. But um, one of the things they do is a social media survey. And uh, it, really, they start with all digital channels generally, just looking at websites and CRM and that sort of thing. And then they look at specifically social media. And within the context of social media, uh, LinkedIn is the leader in terms of site selectors and executives using the platform per the survey, and it's not even close. It's 85% of site selectors, 72% of uh, executives are using LinkedIn specifically for business purposes. The next one down, I believe, is Twitter, and they're in the 40 to 45 to 50 or maybe even 60% range. But um, I've what I would what I would counter, which is probably the case uh, of your own just setup and usage of LinkedIn, LinkedIn's algorithm is very dependent on individual contributions. And what do I mean by that? It's dependent on you making deliberate choices that say, I want to see this kind of content because it's not going to as often suggest content based on the things that you've just interacted with either passively or actively in the past. 
as Twitter or Facebook will. That, that's really Twitter or Facebook secret sauce, if you want to call it that, is the ability to predict things that you're going to like. There's been a lot of scrutiny and, and problematic behavior that comes of that. You know, when you're just feeding people things that they want to see, I'll kind of set that aside and people can watch the social network. But um, something I always advise folks to do is you know, deliberately follow hashtags. If there are people um, that are doing good work on LinkedIn, who are they connected with? Who are they following? Um, you know, what are the conversations that you can find or the groups that you can find that, that help give you more of the things that you're looking for? So specifically within economic development, there's just to name a few, Mike Preston in Arkansas, who works with the Arkansas Economic Development Commission, does a phenomenal job of not only posting, but highlighting the things that are going on in, in Arkansas as a good economic developer should, but, um, you know, drawing in conversations with the governor, drawing in conversations with you know, other business leaders, that kind of thing. Um, they did a really good job of telling the stories of people that had and businesses that had shifted during COVID to, you know, whether it was the distiller that started making hand sanitizer or um, a extension of Walmart that was doing things with PPE, all kinds of things that are just very cool and unique stories. Um, Trevor Paul is the he's now the chief mobility officer of the state of Michigan, but he's uh, formerly tied explicitly to the MEDC. Now he's, he's in uh, Governor Whitner's um, you know, cabinet, I believe that that position is a cabinet position, but um, constantly speaking to mobility and the future of IoT and sensors and the programs that are at Michigan and Michigan State and developing cars of the future, that kind of thing. So it, you do have to a bit more, do a bit more hunting and a, a bit more deliberate kind of setup of your of your platform and, and your feed. But once you get there, it's, it's just incredibly valuable. And it's, it's a good practice of, um, of getting into that, of finding somebody, finding like, that's how I found you, frankly, it, you know, I, that economic development hashtag and the pieces you put out on Thursdays are incredibly valuable. It's a rich treasure trove of things that you can uh, comb through and, and keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on and projects and announcements and all that. And it's, it's great stuff. And I found it through that hashtag. So um, I just you know, encourage people to not be discouraged by not facing the same experience that you have either on Facebook or, uh, or Twitter when it comes to LinkedIn feed. I think that's that's good advice. So unlike Facebook that, and Twitter that are going to feed you things you want to look for, you need to go out and um, follow the right people and, and follow the right tags. And ha so how do you follow hashtags? on LinkedIn. I think people are probably familiar with, you know, connecting to other individuals and maybe, maybe they're not even familiar with following, but how do you, so how do you follow people and how do you follow hashtags? Yeah, it's, um, we've, we've taken a much more deliberate approach with this. Our, our CEO, Ryan Roslansky uh, spoke to this recently, um, in a conversation with Dan Roth, who's our editor in chief, when we made an announcement of this thing called creator mode, what creator mode does is it makes following somebody the default setting for somebody who's going to come to your profile. So um, I have creator mode on my profile. If somebody comes to my profile, the option that they're given just by seeing that little box next to your picture where it normally be connect is now follow. So it's something we're conscious of because the difference between a connection and a follow is not something that LinkedIn's always been explicitly clear about because for the longest time, you couldn't do anything but connect with people. And there was a big school of thought, and I still run into it every once in a while, and I can't disagree with it more, that um, if the more connections you have, the better it is, because just the, the system just feeds each other, and let's all just have this one interconnected network. And I, I just, I, I think it's extremely problematic, because the real power of a connection 
comes in the context of your relationship with that person, not just the fact that you're connected with them for the sake of being connected. Um, so while I don't discredit necessarily anybody, I was in this camp too, where you just try to mass up connections for the sake of massing up connections and to, you know, get deeper into the, into the web and LinkedIn. And it's, it's frankly, it's a thing that LinkedIn used to emphasize in its own communications of, Oh, you know, such and such individuals and, you know, highlighting, uh, the connection count as a, a you know worthy metric. It's just it's not something we're focusing on. It's something we've acknowledged, and you know why we now have this option to follow people. But uh, the way you follow somebody if they still have their their profile up on the default setting, there's a little ellipsis next to people's name, and then if you hit that within there, it'll be you know send a message or um, you know there are a couple different things in there, and one of them is follow. So it's a bit clunky uh, for the moment, but we're moving to a position and we're, we're trying to make it much more deliberate that if you don't explicitly know somebody, you should follow them. And if you know this person and have worked with them and can speak to the context of the kind of work they do, and if you've worked on projects with them, if they've been a customer of yours, if you've been a customer of theirs, whatever it is, if you've got some sort of relationship and can speak to each other professionally, then great. That's, that's what connections are for. But, um, we're, we're trying to make that much more deliberate because it has been confusing in the past, but um, that's definitely where the platform is moving. Absolutely. I, that, that makes perfect sense. You know, I was for a long time, I was in that same um, camp that it was, you know, it was collect the connections. And then you mm -hmm. get to the place where someone would ask you, Hey, can you mm -hmm. introduce me to, mm -hmm. you know, such and such or a first degree connection with them? And, you know, I don't know this guy. He you know, right. sent me a connection request and I accepted because I thought it would improve the platform. But so that's that's excellent advice. Um, how. So if you're not connected to people, can you still mm -hmm. how do you communicate with, you know, let's say there's somebody on LinkedIn that, you know, is you think that potentially you would be interested in and you're not you found them yourself. You didn't they didn't find your advertising. You found someone on LinkedIn and you yeah. want to reach out to them. How do you do that? Yep. So there are, there are two things I'd recommend. The first is to follow that. So go through those steps of, okay, you recognize that you're not connected to this person. And I'll come back there. There's an important bit of data you'll get right as you come to somebody's profile. And I'll come back to that. But the first thing I would do is follow that person. And what's that going to do? Well, first, it's going to give that person a notification that you're following them. It doesn't mean that you're asking to be a connection request, and it certainly doesn't mean that they get that that automated little annoying note that we've all gotten, which is, you know, please, I'd like to, you know, or because you're a person I trust was one of the default ones for a while that that just seems so kind of cold and, you know, borgish and ridiculous now, ridiculous now, but um, it doesn't send them anything other than they get an alert saying, hey, Andrew Phillips followed you, if, if I were to go to somebody's profile and follow them. Now, what does that do? It basically for the purposes of in-feed content treats you like a connection. Meaning if that person posts something, you see it. If they react to something, you'll see that, it, you know, occasionally. If you, um, that you won't have the ability to just send them free messages as, as you would if you were a connection, but you'll see the kind of things that they're posting. Now, what will that clue you into? It'll clue you into the kind of things that they're interested in, the projects they're working on, the, the questions they have. If they're interacting with people on the platform, what, it, you know, what sort of information can you pick up as somebody who's interested in this person on what the, the prospect, if you want to call them that, uh, is, is interested in and doing themselves? Uh, the, to come back to this idea of the, the bit of data next to somebody's name. So when you first come to somebody's profile, 
you're going to see either a one, a two, or a three. And it'll say first, second, or third degree. And that is describing the level of connection that you have with that person. So first degree connection is, are you just connected on the platform? Are you, did you, one of you send a connection request, they accept. So now you're connected. Second degree is, are you connected with somebody who is connected with them? So it's the next level out. It's, I'm not connected with you directly, but I'm connected with Christy, who is connected with you also. Now, the power of those second degree connections is really profound. And we've done a lot of research, uh, especially uh, in correlation with our, our sales solutions line that looks at the power of those second degree connections. And this is an idea, if you think of the idea of like loose alliances, uh, I've heard it uh, adhered to or spoken to like that. Um, there are other ways to describe it where it's your, it's not necessarily your, your first party network, but it's the ability of you as a professional to put that second party network into play where it's not the fact that, you know, this person that's going to drive some sort of success or a meeting or exchange of business. It's the fact that you both know somebody who can speak to your, you know, your individual credibility. And we have research that suggests that it's as high as three or four times more likely that if you're introduced through a mutual third party, that you're going to take a first meeting and up to 30 times more likely, excuse me, 30% more likely that business is actually going to be exchanged just by being introduced by this third party. And just, you know, think of it anecdotally, think of it the times where you get a text or a call from somebody that says, Hey, I, you know, I have my nephew and they're thinking of getting into city or, you know, city planning or economic development would you mind taking 15 minutes and just chatting with them? They're still kind of figuring things out. And you say, yeah, of course, you know, I'd be happy to. And then you meet and it's great and off you go. Versus somebody reaching out to you blind. Yeah, sure. There might be a way to build credibility there and it happens all the time, but particularly busy executives and, and others in leadership positions, they're, they're already being hounded by all kinds of different people who want their attention. Uh, so getting the that attention spoken for and, and getting the permission to you know, grant attention to that person via some mutual third party is a huge differentiator uh, that is one of those little nuggets of, of goodness that LinkedIn can provide, where when you see that number two, immediately then going to, okay, who's the person that I know the best here, who I think could speak to, to both of us. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, the, the power of that second degree connection, follow the person first. And then if you don't know somebody, um, that if you don't have a mutual connection between yourself and that person, maybe it's just following them in their feed and, you know, seeing the kind of things that they're interested in, reading their profile top to bottom and finding some sort of common ground and reaching out that way. I'm not suggesting that, you know, people just shouldn't reach out without an introduction. Um, you know, that happens all the time, but the, the data suggests that you're going to be much more successful if you can leverage some sort of relationship that you both have into a first meet which really only works on LinkedIn if you actually know your first degree connections. So exactly. It's again, yeah. Which comes into, yeah. Yeah. Right, it comes back to, to the original point. Right. Yeah. So would you recommend people go through and prune their old, um, you know, connections that aren't real? I, I would. Yes. Yeah. This is something I did actually when I first came to LinkedIn. Um, and I had an interesting way of ending up at LinkedIn. I was at a competitor this business network called Bizzo within the, the business B2B media space. And we used to sell against LinkedIn all the time. So I came into LinkedIn and first I have to like set aside my LinkedIn hater hat and like, you know, very begrudgingly come into the warm, loving arms of LinkedIn. And then I have to look at what I've been doing with the platform and recognize, okay, there are a lot of things I've just been doing wrong where I've, I've been sending out blind connection requests and I've 
um, you know, just sent messages to people without seeing if we know somebody mutually. And, and yeah, that's something I did. And it took, took some time uh, to go through and really evaluate, okay, if somebody reached, and that was the litmus test I used was the same one that you posed, which is if somebody reached out to me asking for a recommendation or an introduction, would I be able to, in my soul, know that I was doing a good thing by granting that? And if I couldn't say yes, then I, I just, I remove the connection and they don't get a notification to that. So it's, you know, and presumably we haven't uh, spoken in a good while. So, you know, no one's, uh, no one's any worse off, but it just, it makes your network that much more valuable to know with some conviction. If you don't know them super well, then at least you can speak to, Hey, I sw- I met this person at a conference. They seem really great. I follow them on the platform and, you know, you can at least have some understanding of, uh, where you're coming from with everybody rather than just hey, yeah, I have no idea who this person is or why we're connected. That's excellent advice. And, you know, I hadn't thought of that. So I, I appreciate that. I'm going to have to go through and begin the process of uh, pruning out my, <laughs> my connections. Yeah. I, I do have a ton. Yes. It's yeah. And um, I set it out over the course of a couple of days where, you know, I would, I'd set it up alphabetically and then 10 minutes at a time, just scroll through and scroll through and everybody that I couldn't, point to either the last conversation we had or how we met um, or answer that simple question in my head. If I were asked for an introduction, would I give it? Um, yeah. It, it's, it's pretty easy to just go through that way, but and when, you process. Di- when you disconnect are, so they're no longer going to see your stuff in their feed as well. Right. Cor- I mean, correct. Unless they're a follower of yours. So if they're deliberately following you, then they'll still uh, see your updates in the feed. But if, uh, they're just a connection, then um, then they won't see anything anymore. Okay. So a, a little a pain, maybe just psychological, um, <laughs> will we'll go a long way to, to improving the experience, I guess. I, I I think so. Yeah. And especially it just, you know, if, um, one of the things I, I speak to all the time is that the platform has changed and the platform's changed pretty rapidly, really over the past three, four years in particular. It used to be the case that overwhelmingly the only thing that you could do on LinkedIn was look for jobs and connect with people. Uh, There were other things that you could do that got introduced, but even then, okay, so we have Pulse, which is a content stream that starts the idea of a feed. And then it's the influencer program where the likes of the Richard Branson's and the Jeff Bezos's and the venture capitalists, they're starting to contribute content. And there's this idea that it's starting to look more like a feed-based system, but really people came overwhelmingly to look for jobs and, and connect with people. Those were the only reasons. And then four or five years ago, content starts really taking off. And it's to the point now where uh, somebody is is much, much, much more likely to come to LinkedIn to consume content than they are to look for a job or just to connect with somebody. So that's a fairly new development. So I don't fault people at all. And, and if anything, I blame LinkedIn for how we've talked about the platform. And even if you see some of our advertising, not to get too critical, but you see some of our advertising even fairly recently, and it's all connect to opportunity. And it's, it's always the job that is the focus within LinkedIn. And it's just not the case anymore that it's this place that you go to look for jobs exclusively. It's, it's a place where you go to study up on people who are leaders in your industry. And it's where you go to make connections and um, as a business development person or a salesperson to get intelligence on what you, your competitors are doing on what your customer base is thinking. So there's just so much more going. And there's LinkedIn learning now too, which is a, a really exciting component of all this. And it's adding to a lot of the 
the work we're doing on you know workforce development and economic development more generally. So it's just it's just radically different than it was even three four years ago. Um, so with that, yeah, it does come at the expense of having to repurpose what would have been a fine use of the platform, just connecting with as many people as you could to get that network effect. But it's just a different place. Well, this this has been fascinating. I've learned uh, so much. If our listeners would like to get reach out to you, get in contact, what would be the best way? I'd imagine it's on LinkedIn. But yeah, uh, there's a <laughs> wouldn't you know it? There's a, a business focused uh, social network with uh, 740 million. Me- I'm, I'm kidding, but yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's uh, the, the, my um, handle on LinkedIn is just Andrew E. Phillips. Uh, if you want to type it out, you can just search my name, Andrew Phillips, LinkedIn as well. Um, I produce a newsletter in that creator mode. I make it pretty easy to find different resources on economic development groups on LinkedIn. Um, but I'm constantly posting on different data points that our the team is finding in the context that they'll serve the economic development community. Um, so lots of different things, but yeah, easiest places to find me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Andrew, um, I really appreciate you jumping on this call with me today. And I hope that our listeners got as much out of it as I did. And I hope that you and I um, can find a way to work together in the future. Absolutely. Too. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com. 